Amen. Let's give it up for our worship team. Thank you. Um, well, welcome. If we have not met or just been a while, my name is Adam. It's great that you're here. I'm glad that you chose to come and worship with us tonight. Um, Before we get started, um, if you have a cell phone, this is just your friendly reminder, just to put it on silent, tuck it away. In your Bibles, we're going to be in the Sermon on the Mount, so you can turn to your Bibles in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to get there in just a second. So um, as you're turning there, Matthew chapter 5, I was making popcorn for... Kendra and myself one night, and we have one of those stovetop, what are they called, that you, you, you turn it, it's a, a whirly pop, yeah, we have one of those things, and it's not mine, it's Kendra's, um, and so I, I normally would just put it in the microwave, uh, I don't trust the popcorn button on the microwave, so I just set the time myself, uh, three minutes is where I start, but then you just had the third, add, <laughs> okay, okay. Wow, it's popcorn. You know, it makes itself. Okay, anyway, <laughs> I was really interrupted. Um, it's okay, I'm over it. Um, we're making, yeah, we're now, I've moved. We don't even have a microwave in our house, so I've moved to the, the Whirly Pop. And I was trying to be nice, and I was like, you know what, Kendra, normally she makes the popcorn because it's her Whirly Pop. She knows how to make, make it just right, and I've seen her do it enough times where I was like, you know what? I will make the popcorn tonight. And so I know I was, you know, just trying to be a nice guy. I saw her through the process. I knew all the things that she needed to get out to make the popcorn. So I, I do everything right. And I, I made a great batch of popcorn. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. I nailed this. This is the first time I ever used the Whirly Pop. We start eating the popcorn, and it's inedible. What happened? This this is going to be like, like the best batch of popcorn. I bragged about this batch of popcorn before we started eating, and now I don't even want to continue eating it. Why? Because I added too much salt. <laughs> Normally, she only does one. We have like a little jar with salt in it. It's not like a salt shaker. And it was like a tea, it was like a half teaspoon scoop. Well, I she normally does one scoop of that, and I did two. So like, okay, it doesn't seem like that big of a mistake, but with salt, that is a mistake. Has anyone like ever like baked goods and you mis- mistaken the sugar for the salt? Absolutely. <laughs> you have? You have? You them too. And you burn them. Maybe we could take up a new hobby, you know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. So yeah, so, but that was the thing. That was the trouble was that I... I did all the right things. I just added too much salt. And if you've added too much salt before, you can't take it out. Like, it's in there. And it was, like, inedible for me. And we already like salt as a family. So the one scoop was probably, like, more than some would probably want. And I did two of that. And it was just, to me, it was inedible. Um, Kendra was at the point where she was like, you know what? It's popcorn. I'm going to eat it anyways. But I just couldn't do it because the salt was just too strong. Salt makes a huge difference. Now, I'm going to tie that in. The big idea tonight, as we look into the Sermon of the Mount, the big idea, if you're taking notes, disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, make a God-glorifying difference in this world. 
And this is all going to tie in soon. We're going to read our passage, Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. Jesus says this, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Let me pray for us. God, as it comes to being the salt of the world and the light of the world, God, we need your help in this. This is a lofty calling, a lofty challenge, and more than I care to admit, I forget that this is what we are called to be in this world. And so, Lord, I pray that you, that your word would stir our affections for you and that you would call us and draw us nearer back to yourself, Lord. So, God, may your Holy Spirit minister to our hearts. God, would you open our eyes and unlock our ears to the truth that you have for us tonight, Lord. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So this is an intriguing passage on, on a grand scale. Jesus just gets, gets done challenging us with the Beatitudes. And Erica talked about that last week on our, on our video, if you got a chance to check that out. <clears throat> and then steps into this profound statement, stating a couple you are statements. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. And then he says, you are the light of the world. The Beatitudes is how we get there, by the way. The poor in spirit, the humble, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the peacemakers, and so on. That is how you and I salt the earth. Jesus just talked about it in the Beatitudes. This is how you can make a difference in the world. And now Jesus is not talking to everyone here that's gathered around at the mount. So Jesus sits down at this mount and everyone gathers around him. And so Jesus actually singles out his disciples, his followers in this moment. And not only does he single out his disciples in front of the large crowd, but he does it by making a bold statement. It would be like me delivering this message to the entire room and singling out the front two rows with a challenge. But Jesus' challenge is like, you guys, you, you're the difference makers. Well, like there's this entire room filled with lots of people, and he says, you guys, you're the difference makers. And the room listens, though. And I know you're excited. You're like, let's go. But also, like, you also have a calling on your life. And the calling's lofty. And it takes Holy Spirit empowerment to fulfill that calling. And the room listens. In the same way, the people gathered are also listening. They're also taking in this message that Jesus is delivering. And Jesus is singling out the disciples here saying, you, you guys, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. 
So I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about salt for a second. Disciples of Jesus can change the world. Disciples of Jesus can change the world. We may become its salt and light. And today, we use salt as an enhancement to flavor. But in the days before refrigeration and chemical preservatives, people used salt primarily to prevent decay on meat. We'll talk more about the uses of salt in a few minutes, but we are the preservation agents of the world, basically. We, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, can preserve this world by making disciples, that we follow Jesus, we obey Jesus' commands to make disciples, so we make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. That's how we preserve a dying and decaying world, is by making disciples. So common table salt or sodium chloride is a stable chemical compound. So we may wonder what Jesus means when he speaks of salt losing its saltiness in verse 13. And to like capture his point, we need to understand that in ancient times, salt was a piece of rock dug from the ground and contained many impurities. And water could actually wash through it, dissolving the sodium chloride, leaving a residue that looked like a salt rock and even retained its original shape, yet yet lacked the flavor of salt. And the more we sense and accept our difference from the world, the greater our influence will be. The more we allow society to affect us morally, spiritually, the more we lose our saltiness. I want to talk about light for a second. Here, Jesus tells his followers, you are the light of the world. A disciple hopes to become like his master, that we would be light to this world. And as with salt, Jesus warns us about losing our effectiveness when it comes to light. Jesus says, as a a city on a hill cannot be hidden, so the light of a disciple cannot and should not be hidden. And in these days, we know they didn't have electric lights with switches that you can just turn on and off. It would have been absurd to light an oil lamp and to then cover it up. And after warning us against losing our influence, Jesus tells us how to retain it. He says, let your light shine before who? Men, the world, others. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and good deeds, practical acts of kindness and neighborly love. A life worth imitating is a life that gives, gives light to all around us. See, it's impossible to gaze directly at the sun, or it's not like actually impossible. It just would really hurt if you did that. I don't recommend it. If you gaze directly at the sun, it's painful to even try. But if we gaze at the moon... On a clear night, many people will look at the moon. You'll always draw attention to the moon. If the moon's looking obscurely big or bright or whatever, or or, or orange, you'll just usually, like if you're in the car driving, you'll just say, hey guys, look at the moon. You'll usually draw attention to the moon. Is that just weird of me? We do that. We're like, wow. No one goes, would you guys just look at the sun? (laughs) Like, no, we don't do that. We say, look at the moon. 
Admire the moon. On a clear night, we'll, we'll admire its beauty. And we often forget that the moon only reflects the greater light of the sun. The moon reflects the greater light of the sun. Similarly, many people find it difficult to, like we heard in Isaiah 6 today, that Isaiah saw God and he's, his, his response was like, woe is me, I'm ruined. Like I'm a man of unclean lips. Like Isaiah saw his sin the moment he was in the presence of God. I'm a man of unclean lips. So we can't gaze directly at God. But the world will observe the Christ follower as they reflect the greater light of Jesus. When they see our light, they will realize that there must be a source of our goodness and conclude that God is that source and not ourselves. Through our faithfulness, the world will see God in our works and will praise God for his work in us. So I have some points of application when it comes to salt and light. Number one, we must understand the distinction between making a point and making a difference. When it comes to following Jesus, it's easy to make a point. It's hard to make a difference. You want to be salt of the world? You want to be light of the world? Stop trying to make a point and work on making a difference. It's not about being right. It's not about being the winner in your relationships, in your spiritual arguments. If there's ever a winner in an argument, the relationship loses. And you know that's true. If you ever hold your hand up being the victor of an argument with a friend, whether it be a spiritual conversation or not, if there's ever a winner in your argument, the relationship loses, period. We as followers of Jesus, you are the preservation agents to a dying and decaying world. Be salt. How do I, how do, I do that? Jesus told us in the Beatitudes. Be a peacemaker. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's easy to make a point. It's hard to make a difference. Number two, we kind of hit on it already. Be salt in a world full of decay. Be salt in a world full of decay. Jesus starts the passage with an intentional statement saying, you are you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. He didn't say that you can be or you might be or one day when you get older or anything like that. He said you are today, starting now. You are the salt of the earth in this moment. See, there's five different functions for salt in the ancient world. One of those was purity, preservation, flavor, healing, and the creation of thirst. And as followers of Jesus, we are to exemplify all of these traits. 
This is the calling that Jesus has put on us, that you and I are the salt of the earth. Let's put on purity. Let's put on preservation. Let's put on flavor and healing and being a peculiar thirst in this world of like, I wonder what they have. A little salt makes a big difference in a dying world. So a diagnostic question, something for you to reflect on. Is the way that you and I live worth striving after? How you live your life, is your life worth imitating? Is your life worth striving after to the lost and decaying world? Number three, be light in a world full of darkness. The word light in our passage occurs four times, just in verses 14, 15, and 16. And in verse 14, it says to put the light on the hill for the whole world to see. And in verses 15 and 16, it says to put it on a stand in the house to illuminate the entire house. Then Jesus goes on to say that you wouldn't even give it a moment of your consideration to put the candle under a basket or a bowl. It's insane and even laughable. And the disciples probably laughed to themselves like, okay, we get it. No one would do that. But imagine the moment. No, you wouldn't put the light under a basket. The purpose of a lamp is to give light. The purpose of a disciple, a follower of Jesus, is to provide and exemplify the light of the world. Living a holy life, marked deeply by Christ, as a bold witness, you will shine brighter and farther than you could ever dream to the power of the Holy Spirit that's at work within you. A little light, think about this, a little light makes a big difference in a dark room. A little light makes a big difference in a dark room. Years ago, I heard this illustration of a disco ball. You guys can imagine a disco ball. Think with me for a second. The disco ball has little tiny squares all around it. But think with me for a second. If the disco ball was just one mirror. There was no squares in it. Where would the light go on the disco ball? If the disco ball was just one clear mirror, there was no squares, it was just one solid mirror, where would the light go? The light would just go to one spot. Right. Follow me here. The disco ball, the mirror ball, has to be broken for the light to shine all across the room, right? In the same way, Jesus is telling us, you are the light of the world. Jesus is using broken, fragmented people to spread his light across the entire room. He doesn't use one perfect person other than Jesus. He doesn't use like a perfect, altogether, put-together human, but he uses us, broken fragmented, struggling, fumbling and stumbling people to carry his message to a lost and broken, decaying world. The disco ball has to be broken 
to be used effectively. In the same way, we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a message to carry. And we sang about our testimony collectively in that song, Glorious Day, when it's, I, I needed rescue. My sins were heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. Like we have a message to share. Not the fact that you're put together and perfect, but the fact is, is that Jesus, in my brokenness, carried me. That he brought me towards himself, even though that I don't deserve his grace. But he chooses to use me to bring about this story, this great, grand, redemptive story, and he chooses to use me in it. God uses our brokenness. He uses our messes to carry the light across the world. He doesn't use the perfect. He uses the willing, the available. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. One commentator says that verse 16 is the core of the entire sermon, showing that hearing must lead to doing and that good deeds are the heart of discipleship. And this is where Jesus surprised his disciples and hearers with his teaching. He never continued the status quo. Jesus demanded that his followers go out and change the world. There's no passivity here. There was no prancing around the topic. Jesus would deliver hard, heavy topics right to the front of people. Jesus demanded change. And for God's righteousness to enter the world in such a way that it would never be the same. And the coming of God's kingdom is so much more than just being kind to others and performing good acts and good deeds Those are good and admirable things, but there is a demand to be different and to act different. That is, to be made right with God and act the way God demands by following Jesus in counter-cultural directions. Change is the name of the game, and it must occur at who we are and how we live in our life. So what is the stirring that God is wakening to you this evening? What ways is God prompting you to live different, to be salt and to be light? Maybe for some it's in responding to the first and foremost call into the family of God by receiving his grace through placing your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe God's prompting you to repentance. You've been living contrary to the word of God and the people of God. You've indulged and gorged yourself in sin, knowing good and well that you're taking part in spiritual death. Sin that made Jesus' death necessary. Maybe you've been living an unharnessed life, totally consuming the sin and selfishly living. God may be calling you back to himself saying, repent. Repent. And the beautiful thing in this moment of repentance, when a sinner finds themselves so lost in sin, so far from God, all you have to do is hear the call to repent and just turn around. And God's right there. You may have been running from God for 10 years, 
And that doesn't mean that you turn around and start trekking back for another 10 years to find yourself back to God. It's that you were running from God for a solid 10 years and all you have to do is turn around and there he is waiting for you with open arms, ready to receive you. Welcoming you into the palace. The moment you turn from your sin, God is there waiting to joyfully receive you back as a son or daughter. Maybe tonight, your prompting or stirring is that you've been playing the sidelines when it comes to your faith. And that you don't play offense in the day in, day out of your faith journey. Maybe you even let the verses you scroll by on Instagram be your source of a quiet time more than actually sitting at the feet of Jesus, reading his word to your sin-filled heart. God is calling you to a life of difference-making. Be salt. Be light. Be obedient to a life that is holy and completely surrendered to a God that's so crazy about you. Jesus carrying the sins of the world, died so that you may live. And I'm gonna ask, will you, in response, live for him? I'm gonna pray for us, and then we're going to have a moment of response. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word to us. Jesus, we thank you that you don't avoid hard topics, Lord, but you address the heart. So, Lord, for the student here, the leader here that has been just sitting in the back against the wall with their hands in their pockets when it comes to their faith, God, I pray, God, that you would stir in their heart, Lord, to get some skin in the game that they would take their faith seriously, that they would sit at your feet, Lord, and be fed by your word so that you may send us out, Lord, to be salt and to be light into this world. God, forgive us for our lax nature when it comes to being salt and being light. Help us be the preservation agents. Help us be light in a dark world. God, you've given us a grand redemptive story to carry through our life. Lord, may we not squander it. Lord, I pray, however it is that you're stirring in our hearts, Lord, that we would have the boldness and the courage to respond to that stirring. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen.